Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 224, Being a Full-Timer, presented by Brian Neff, Darren Watts, and Kat Tobin. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have anything else scheduled. We're kind of cool. We're kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Like super, super early. How do you get a full time job in the industry? First, show up an hour early. Exactly. Be keen. keen. That's what people want to see. Be keen. That was a better joke than the one I was going to make. I was going to come up here and be like, welcome to our panel. It's called 30 Minutes of Dead Air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this panel? It's being full time. Right, awesome. Thank yep. You. Come on in. Find the pen as well. They they gave us our schedule things, but there's no titles written on them. No, like like just post outside the door or something. It's probably now this is the more exciting way to do it. This way <laughs> yeah, it's more fun. Find this new random stuff. It's like engaging with oh, people on a one-to-one level. Well, so you're smart because you printed out the full schedule. Oh gosh, no, no, they have them on the desk. Oh, do they really? Yeah, oh, they do. Because yeah. I just have this thing yeah. written in oh, super yeah. tiny print. Really I have, like I, I, I've already lost my one of those things, which is why I'm getting the, <laughs> the generic things that they have available at the yeah. desk. Yeah, the titles aren't printed on there, and I walked yeah. by, and someone was like, I was going to come to your panel. And I was like, yeah. good, what is my panel about? Yeah. What you is know, the panel yeah. that I'm doing? I was, I was the same. I was like, I knew I had a panel at like 9 o'clock last night, and one at 11. And I, was, I was going, so if I go out drinking, like, I need to find out what that panel is, so that I know whether I can be drunk or not. <laughs> and then it turned out that it was actually Chris's pricing panel, and I was like, well, actually, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to let you guys take this, because you have bullet points and like a whole plan that I'm not in, so like, I'm going to sit here in the audience and take notes. They actually did some prep work. They did awesome and the dangerous of doing the panel with Melissa. Oh, there will be PowerPoint. Melissa's very Melissa's very good. What time is it? We're going to go? On 11.04. I think it's time to go. We're recording. Start us up. Cool. Hi, everyone. We are... Uh, we're, so first, let's go around and introduce ourselves. We're going to talk a little bit about um, being full-time. Um, I came up with this panel, um, and I submitted it, and they put me with people who were way more qualified than I was to talk about it. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit more moderation, um, because I think that both of these people have a lot of really good insight. Um, I can talk about just starting out, because I've only been full-time uh, full freelance for about a year. Um, my name is Brian Neff. Uh, I am the co-founder of Waitress Games. We are a design and development studio, um, and we've worked on a bunch of projects, um, huge, small. We've worked on Kickstarters. We've worked on stuff for Wizards of the Coast. Um, so we have, you know, all sorts of experience doing a whole range of things, and uh, there's good things and bad things about that that I can get into later. Um, cool. My name is Kat Tobin. I'm the managing director and co-owner of Pelgrane Press. Uh, we're a tabletop role-playing game publisher. 
Um, I originally, I got a unicorn job with Pelgrain Press, as I would call it, um, which is that it was a full-time production, like paid salary, you know, all the benefits and everything job with a games company. Um, and from there, I've worked my way up to being co-owner of the company and management director. So I can talk more about that in detail later. Sure. I'm Darren Watts. Um, I have I formerly owned uh, a couple of companies in the industry. I used to own Hero Games and Indie Press Revolution. Um, I got out of the owning things business seven or eight years ago because it turned out I didn't like it very much and I've been freelancing ever since so I kind of like represent the how to have a full-time job in the industry by having eight part-time jobs in the industry. <laughs> uh, and that is a viable, you know, like way to make it work, but there's a bunch of, you know, weird things about it and finding those eight jobs is not necessarily that easy. So that's what I'm here to talk about. One of my uh, eight jobs here is that I also work with Double Exposure. I'm part of the staff. I'm, I put together this panel track. So. Yeah. You just put yourself on your own panel. I do. Yeah. It's, it's a really good well, way to that, do I think, it. yeah, if you or JR or somebody like told me I should be on this yeah, one. Yeah, probably. So, I don't so, know. Yeah. One of us. I just self-nominated. I was like, oh, there's a panel with just dudes. Yeah, we needed some non-dudes. It is a concern. Yeah, we definitely needed some non-dudes on the panel. And especially because... This is uh, also uh, this notoriously is relevant to my yeah my right well and this is like a notoriously dude dominated industry so like having a non dude is yeah. uh, is always good yeah. um so I guess first uh, I want to focus on a couple of things because I think a lot of people are in here because the question of like hey how do I get into this industry and how do I break in and how do I do this full time um, is a question that a lot of people have and. I think a lot of people will oftentimes be like, there, there are no full-time jobs in the game industry. It's, it sucks and it's awful. Um, and those things aren't necessarily untrue all the time. Um, but the, those full-time jobs do exist. Um, we have done them. Uh, and we didn't always have these jobs. Um, you know, Before this, I was working in video games and in convenience stores and comic book shops and things like that. Um, so I sort of wanted to... Uh, Take a minute and talk about how we first started doing this stuff, because sure. um, I think that's pretty important. Um, <clears throat> sure, my my version will have be no help for anybody because I don't think it's replicable. But uh, <laughs> well, how how, how old were you when you first sort of? I I mean I I was in traditional publishing sure. until I was thirty two, right? I mean that was and I game stuff was a hobby, right? I yep. wrote you know magazine articles for Pyramid and I you know back when Pyramid was actually a magazine sure. and uh, you know. Uh, did reviews and I did appazines and I, so I, I knew people in the industry but it was not ever going to be a full-time job and then the opportunity uh, arose some friends of mine had with more money than sense decided that buying a game an existing game company was a good idea and they wound up hiring me to consult you know to just be like hey show us how the game industry works you know some of these people take us to the right parties take us to the cons take us to that sort of thing and by the time the first year of that shook out, I was president. Sure. Um, due to various people dropping out, one person getting arrested, there were a bunch of <laughs> very long and complicated story that I'll be delighted to tell somebody in the bar afterwards, but I'm not going to record it here. So get my business partners arrested. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, that's a really good way to do it. So I wound up owning, uh, uh, or I wound up being the president and co-owner, majority owner of Hero Games. And uh, once again, almost completely by accident, our first product was a smash hit that we were utterly unprepared for, right? We had no idea it was the fifth edition of the, of the pure games. 
for it, and we sold 25,000 copies out the door, and we had no infrastructure to do that. We had no relationship with printers or distribution or anything to manage that in any kind of like plausible way. So we really kind of like learned yeah. horribly on the fly, yeah. and I wound up running that. I owned that company for 10 years and discovered in the end that I don't like owning things that much. I don't like paying taxes. I don't like dealing with the you know warehousing. I don't like dealing with all of that stuff. Um, and so after I kind of had done my decade in it, I backed away um, and uh, kind of by that point I had a number of connections, I knew a lot of people and so I was like, well, I'll just go back to freelancing and I'll get another real job or something. Sure. And I kind of gradually over the last seven or eight years have built freelancing doing a bunch of different things and we'll talk about like, you know, I do some creative work, I do some consulting work, I do administrative work for conventions and that sort of thing. Between all of those, I have turned it in once again into a full-time job. Okay. So. Uh, um, yeah. So I, um, my original background in gaming, um, I started gaming in college, and I was very, very involved with my local game society in college, and I my first kind of forays into into gaming work, I guess, uh, was running our local convention, um, and then from there. I kind of met a lot of people in the industry, and I'm from Ireland, so I met a lot of people in the industry in Ireland and the UK. We don't really have an industry, but in the UK <laughs> mostly. Um, and over, I, I moved to Scotland, and there were a couple of little indie um, RPG companies in Scotland called uh, Contested Ground and Box Ninja, Box Ninja Studios. Sure. Um, and I got kind of, I kind of hung, I met them at cons, and I hung out with them a bit. And I was like, I would love to help you in any way I can do for absolutely free because I just love this and um, being involved in this. So I ended up, because I was working in finance at the time, um, I ended up being an accountant for a games company. Games companies do not need accountants, really. <laughs> Certainly not as a kind of a turning up to their meetings, being like, what can I do now? They're like, go yeah, and count I'm, something. Yeah, we certainly don't need a full-time one. <laughs> go count something. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just so, um, I'm not, um, I'm not much on the creative side. I'm not really, I, I can write, but I'm not a writer, I'm not a game designer, but I can produce some stuff. So if you give me a thing to do, I can do that thing. Um, and that's and that's why I kind of describe my job as being like a unicorn job, because like Darren was, was saying, and we'll go on to say later, there are so many avenues to get into the industry creatively. You know, if you want to write or do layout or do art or cartography, there are a lot of really easy avenues in. But in terms of producing things, most people, um, if they're starting off self-publishing, they're doing all the work that I would do themselves, right? They can't afford to hire me to do that work. Um, so it's very hard to get this kind of work. So I was, I was working in finance, absolutely hated it. Um, and I kept applying for other jobs in more like project-based roles. And they were like, well, you know, you could probably do this job, but whatever this games thing is that you do, like that's where you should be. And I was like, I. No, I know, right? Yeah. I know, but like, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I would love to, but there are no jobs. Um, and I ended up running um, the London role playing convention, Dragon Meet. Um, and while I was there, um, I met my business partner, Simon. Um, and like, while I helped him out with some problems that he was having at the convention. Um, and he was like, oh, I've, you know, I've always kind of thought it would be cool to have a Pelgrane convention. And I'm like, well, I run conventions. That's my thing. So, like, you know, get me in. I'll run a convention for you. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, so he said, oh, send me your CV. And I was like, sure. So I sent him like an event management CV. And he said, do you have any other skills? 
I was like, well, I make good coffee. Mm. <laughs> like, where, where are you? I can count things. <laughs> where, where are you going with this? And he's like, and it turned out that um, the girl who was working as a project editor for him at the time um, was moving on to, to mainstream publishing. And he was looking for somebody to work full time in his office. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I would hate to live in London, but I will move to London <laughs> and work in your office, you know, um, to do this job. So, um, yeah, went through the process, applied, you know, spent eight hours on my cover letter, you know, even longer on my CV, getting it all ready for this job. I'd like plans on how I would cover all of the skills that I was short in, um, did the interview and, and got the job and then have kind of worked my way up. <laughs> I say up. I'm still basically doing the same stuff, but just a lot more of it. You have a better title now. I have a better right. title now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, in a really in a small company, it's you know you just end up doing all of the things anyway. Um, you have the the both like joyous and nightmarish prospect of like wrangling both Ken and Robin. Yeah. For this, yeah. which like is you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't to, to me, that's just mystifying. I can't yeah. imagine how anybody does that. So the fact that you do it and have done it so well for years is just yeah. completely... I mean, I've, I've only met Ken a couple of times, and he's still <laughs> scary. Mm. <laughs> and you just, vampires. Yeah, you just don't wrangle them. You just, right, yeah, you so just kind of, like, <laughs> they are sort of gently free, build fences around them where they can't see free range, them that's true. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so un, unlike both of these uh, much more professional people, I've never had a real job. Mm-hmm. Um... I I graduated college. I had like just broken up with my girlfriend, and it's it was all very sad. Um, and I was like, I gotta I gotta move out of this town. I was living in Oklahoma, um, and so I moved to Dallas because someone there was offering a job in video games. So I was like, great, I'll take your job in video games. Um, and it ended up being a really horrible job where I sat and like ran into walls and tried to break games and um, doing a lot of quality assurance stuff. Uh, and in my time there, I ended up having enough free time that I could go to a bunch of conventions that were down in Dallas. I went to BGGCon a lot. I went to some more local conventions, and I met my business partner, J.R. Honeycutt, um, down there doing that about eight years ago. Um, we ended up going to Gen Con. We were like, hey, this, this board game things is really cool. We'd like to do this. Um, we, went to a lot of, uh, we went to a lot of sort of industry mixers and things like that. Um, we met a lot of people and we sort of just slowly started building out our contact network our contact network until we were Facebook friends with literally everyone in the industry um, and then uh, last year you know we we started getting enough contracts and, and stuff to where both of us said hey we can we can do this full-time we can do this 40 hours a week we make enough money to support ourselves um, and that's sometimes true and it's sometimes not but you know um, right. that's part of being a freelancer right yeah. Um, yeah, and so we, uh, we ended up, you know, filing, uh, filing all the paperwork for an S-Corp. We made Waitress Games an S-Corp, and now we, like, pay taxes and do all of the weird, like, adult stuff that you have to do when you start a business. Um, you know, and, and, like, I think that a lot of people will say, like, oh, hey, I never thought I'd end up in this situation, but, like, I knew exactly that I was going to end up in this situation because I literally can't do anything else. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's the worst. Like, I can, I've, I have no other experience doing anything, so, um, you know, it's this and, sort of an stuff. An enormous part of this industry is otherwise unemployable. Right, yeah. That's pretty much true. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think that, sort of, that sort of feeds into um, 
talking about like a lot of the skills that we have we could you know otherwise go do something that is more rote and more boring and get paid a lot more money Mm -hmm. absolutely right um and so part of this is hey we like this enough to be underpaid Right. Um, for the work that we do and for the amount of work that we put in. I mean, Chris O'Neill knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris O'Neill gets very overpaid for what he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, in his day job. In his day job. Um, he, does, he does this part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like a, a lot of this, a lot of being in this industry full-time is doing work that you should get paid a lot more for. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, Part this of it, is way more interesting. Yeah, but part like, of it is way more, more interesting, right. and a lot of times you get to make your own schedule and work until four in the morning or yeah. start work at yeah. two in the afternoon. And or Pretty whatever. much everybody around here has been offered at some point a real job with real money for it mm-hmm. and turned it down and been like, no, I would rather have the crazy. I would yeah. rather have the mm-hmm. – because that's just what I'm suited for, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm like I said, I'm pretty much unemployable at this point. I don't. <laughs> there's there's no office I'm gonna go work in or whatever for yeah. somebody else doing something I don't want to do. That's just not. Yeah. Yeah. My my starting rate when I when I moved from finance into gaming, um, I took a. I'm trying to do some maths. My my salary starting was a quarter of what it had been. Yeah. Are we all? Just, this, yeah, this is this is a thing. Are we all comfortable talking about? I don't mind how much money we make, yeah, rates sure. and yeah. things like Absolutely. that. Because I think because yeah, yeah. I think it's a very important yeah, part of this conversation yeah. when Absolutely. we talk about being full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really quickly before we get into that, like one of the things that we've that every single one of us has talked about that I think is very important is um, all of all of our experiences sort of catalyzed around going to conventions and meeting people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was a lot. That's a lot of mm-hmm. that. That is a large part of of doing this sort of thing is is knowing who to talk to and knowing this sort of stuff. And so, congratulations, every single one of you. You've made the first step. You came here. Yeah. You know, um, we would all like to talk to you and be friends with you and all of that sort of stuff. And that's that's very honestly the first step um, right. is finding someone who wants to pay you to do the thing that you want to do, right? And whether that be another professional who's going to pay you to contract or that's someone who wants to buy your game from you. Like all of that stuff is always important and that networking is super, super important. And if you're bad at it, become friends with someone who's not yeah. because that's the only way that you're gonna be successful is, is yeah. having people somebody's gotta do it. To you. Yeah. yeah, somebody's right. gotta do it. Is, yeah. Um and every you know, every company owner, every creative person up in that bar, you know, in the evening support has a problem that needs solving. Yep. Yeah. Probably eight or ten of them at least, yes. right? <laughs> and if you can, you know, like sit down and chat with them and you're the solution to one of those problems, that's how it starts for you, right? Yeah. If there's a thing that you can offer to them, thing that you can do that they need doing, this is the time and the place where it happens, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So. And I think like as somebody who lives, I live in a very remote part of Ireland, so I'm like literally 60 miles away physically from the nearest role players. Um, so I found that social media as well is like sure. really, yes. really important. Mm-hmm. Like Brian was saying, you know, follow everyone on, on Twitter, you know, become friends with everyone on Facebook, just send people friend requests. Right. I have, mostly I just blindly if accept If there's a game company like, you're a fan of, yeah. for it, get follow on their boards, get on their get social on media, board, talk about to, their games. Exactly, you promote know. their stuff. Get your, work for them at cons, offer volunteer to like help them at cons, just get to know them, right? Yes. Like be on their radar when the opportunity mm-hmm. comes up because opportunities will come yeah. up all the time. In my case, in most of our cases for it, those won't be full-time opportunities. It's like, yeah. hey, can you do this project for me and I'll pay you two weeks salary or whatever, you know, like to get that done or, you know, like whatever the, mm-hmm. the, the problem is for it. 
but you want to be on their radar when they have to do that because they have to do that all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I've hired a bunch of people off of the hero boards. Mm -hmm. point, so. um, yeah, and I think I think that's a I think that's a really good point. Is like a lot of times people will just be like, hey, I. I've, like I'm not going to pay you a salary, but do you want to contract and do this thing? And that's like that's part of yeah, being a yeah, no, right? salaries are not realistic for most of what we're doing. Yeah, so yeah. So. I have a very kind of, and I don't know if it was something that you were going to touch on later. I have a very awkward relationship with the working for free kind yeah. of thing yeah. because I have done so much work for free in mm -hmm. this industry to get this job. Right. Right. Yep. I just have. I've literally spent twenty years of my life running conventions, being a community manager accounting stock um you know like packing up booths taking down booths you know booth staffing i have done all of that for free right yeah right just and that's there is no money to pay people to do that and there is a certain amount where like i'm also quite passionate about paying people for work that they do right um but i i think you have to be realistic and say that there is an amount that you have to put yourself out there and that goes double I think if you're a writer or an artist you have to be writing and posting your writing you have to be and you have to nobody's going to pay you to do that yeah. to build your try, brand try very hard not to work for free but understand yeah. that you're going to work for ludicrously cheap which is not yeah. the same sometimes thing, but, yeah, like right. when you get paid it is going to be for not enough <coughs> right. yeah and that's I mean and that's you know that's that's part of it and you know you 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 will find that that's why a lot of game companies popped up in like the Midwest, where it's very cheap to live, and all right, of that sort yeah. of stuff, right? Is because like you, you know, those people have rent that is three hundred and fifty dollars a month, and you know, like can can afford to basically work for free. Just on that topic, sure. is how do you avoid um, if if you you know you're going to have to work for less than you should be paid, um, and some of the people who are going to hire you also know that. Mm -hmm. um, when do you say no to? Something that you think is unfair, like if they're deliberately the, the moment it happens. Yeah, yeah. No, don't. Yeah. You don't. But how I, do you know that if this like oh, they well, can't afford to pay me this much or uh, you, you yeah. said where it's going to be unfair, right? right. I mean, like the, to understand that a big part of what you're getting for being in this industry for it, yeah, you're getting underpaid compared to what you could make doing this, making widgets, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, widgets. But you are getting paid in the fact that like, you get to get up every morning and your job is helping people have more fun, yeah. right? And therefore that makes it like really easy to face yourself in the bathroom mirror every morning yeah. of like, oh, and what is that I'm doing? That count that as part of your payment, yeah. right? And, and understand that situation. Yeah. So when you're saying it's unfair, after that discount, if it's still unfair, <laughs> then tell them, no, I just can't do this, yeah. Yeah, I do this gig. And nobody will ever, you won't get blackballed in the industry yeah. for it. Well, it, you'll do what you will if, you get, if you're rude. But if you say to somebody, I'm sorry, I literally just cannot do this job for that amount, yeah. nobody yeah. in the industry mm -hmm. will you know, hold that against you, mm -hmm. right? If you've got something that you've got kids, if you've got a you know, house mm -hmm. payment you've got to make or something, mm -hmm. and you can't work for me because I can't afford to pay you, mm -hmm. more power to you, right? Yeah. Like that's mm -hmm. good luck finding something, I hope you do. But this is what we do, this is what we offer, mm -hmm. this is the range of what's plausible. <clears throat> if you can't do that, then okay, well. Yeah, and, and, and that sort of breaks into two two separate things, and this I think we'll sort of get into what I was talking about earlier, is um, one of the biggest things, and I think one of, especially one of the biggest challenges, um, you know, in, in trying to do this full-time and trying to get paid is knowing what you're worth. Yeah. Um, and that's a really big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Is because, like, I, I charge both per project and hourly and all of that sort of stuff, and a lot of my job is estimating how much time I'm going to spend on a thing and giving people numbers and all of that sort of stuff, you know, and 
uh, so the first thing, and we can get more into this, is, is knowing how much you're worth. And the second thing is being able to say no to people who aren't going to give you that, right? Right. Um, which is a big thing that you've talked about. Um, because, like, being able to say no means that people are going to start looking at you like a professional. And the more people you have to say no to, the more in demand you are. So saying no is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, yeah. um, but also, again, like, it, it's, a, it's a delicate balance because right. there is, like, when, you, particularly when you're starting off, you are going to be underpaid compared to what you can see everyone else is getting. Right. Right. You know, yes. because there's a kind of as a publisher, um, the pay that I will give somebody is kind of an in, an indication of the risk that I'm taking with them. So right. if they're a brand new person, I'm going to pay them less because I'm I'm gambling. I'm going to have to spend a lot of my time fixing up what they're doing and getting it to our standard. Whereas if I work with somebody like Kenner Robin, I can pay them a lot more because I know I can be like write this thing and they'll come back with like a finished word document in like X amount of time and I don't need to spend any time. Months so, later than they told you, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or in some case years. I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so there's that kind of like I absolutely agree that you should understand what you're worth and you should stick to that. Um, but also if you're like, well I am not gonna write for anything less than ten cents a word I'm going to be like, well, I will not be able to hire you, probably right. ever. And, right. you know, and so also understand that there's a scale that people, you know, you talked about fairness, and I would never say, ah, oh, how about a center word? You know, I, I wouldn't kind of undercut you in that way, but also there is an amount that I can actually yeah, financially afford to pay. You're, you're, so the looking at rates across the industry is, right. is, is a really big deal. You're right now, if you are starting to try yeah. to break into mm-hmm. the industry, of an enormous number of people who would love to do this, yeah. right? Most of whom can't, and we don't know which one of those you are yet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, like each new thing that you've done, each thing that you've accomplished, moves you up that scale, mm-hmm. right? If you can come to me and be like, "Well, I did these other two books for this other company or whatever for this," and I can go look at those books and say, "Well, those are good-looking books. Okay, that's mm-hmm. you know seems like you were at least somebody we could work with." Already, you have separated yourself from the pack, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so many people who think that this would be a great industry to break into and that's part of why there is that downward pressure on you know on pay rates for it is because there is an infinite amount of replacements for you many of whom are going to turn out not to be that good right or not going to be able to deliver for that so you are you are constantly trying to kind of like separate yourself from that pack Mm -hmm. in our eyes so that we're aware of you which is why like i said make sure that they're aware of you let them get them to know your name. Get them to get be on their mental map mm-hmm. of you know people that you could plausibly ask to do this job. Yeah, and again, um, you know, as Brian mentioned, coming to conventions, you, uh, talking to people, and you, there are, you know, every company is different, and there are some companies who will try to underpay you. Just that's true. To, that's you know, very true. Just, just or not, not pay you at all, or not, or not pay you at all. <laughs> right. um, and the only way you find out about that is from talking to other people. Yeah. Like you know, there's you kind of go, oh, did you worked with these people? What was that like? Um, I also I mentioned this in another um, panel, but I just think it's a really useful resource, particularly for people who are starting out with writing. Um, en World, um, Morris mm-hmm. from En World yep. did a fantastic. Um, uh, post he basically approached a, a number of RPG publishers and he asked them what their payment rates were and he just published a list of people's rates and what people were offering starting writers what they were offering more experienced writers it's a really useful resource to look at and go right okay this is kind of roughly what the right. industry are offering at the moment 
There's These been kind, kind of, of like a big push too. from a number of directions to kind of like uncover all of that and yeah. like work and on make it more transparent. Make it to transparent everyone. for yeah. people like Fred Hicks, you know, like yeah. publishing like all of his financials for his company. Yeah, for yeah. and that's happening really a lot more. Kind of that's happening a lot more on the RPG side than it is on board games. Cause yeah, because because I'm I, this is something that I should probably talk about is I'm way way more into board games and card games than I am into role playing games. Like I've done some professional role playing stuff, but. By and large, my entire, you know, my entire payment has come from board game companies or people running Kickstarters or things like that. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 real weird because, especially on the board game side, where you have a, a couple hundred independent publishers who have no idea what they're doing and have no idea how to pay people and all of that sort of stuff. Like, right. They're literally looking at contractors to set their rates for them. Right. You know, and then you have right. larger they, companies yeah. that are trying to a do everything that they can. Than you do yeah. When, when mm -hmm. it gets started. Right? You know, and then a lot of people are trying to, you know, use that fact to try and underpay people and it's it's really weird and it's the wild west and like that's that's why one of the things that I try and stress the most is, hey, know what you're worth. Don't work for people who are not going to pay you that, you know, unless they're going to do something else for you, right? Um, like, when I was, like, I've I've done stuff for Cool Mini or Not, and, like, Cool Mini or Not paid me, like, underpaid me a little bit, and that's, that's that at that time was okay because, you know, they promised me X number of contracts in the future, which they've done very good at pulling through on and all of that sort of stuff. And like, mm -hmm. they've been very consistent and they've done that sort of stuff. And so like, you know, I, I think this is this is sort of now. Well, yeah, we scale that based yeah. on right. But like I said, there's yeah. more than just the per word it's rate more, yeah. or the per project it's more than rate just the money. because there are additional things that you can offer. Right. I wrote for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Star Trek pays miserably. The current yeah. owner of Star Trek pays miserably, but. There was no way I was turning down to, to like a, a promise to eight-year-old me that I was going to turn yeah. down having a Star Trek project on my CV, yeah. right? For this, so it's like, okay, well, this is my for love rate, right? Yeah. For this, I really want to work on this project. It's going to be unbelievably fun. It's not going to feel like work at all. For this, okay, they're paying me two thirds, half of what I ordinarily would charge for this sort of thing. But it's Star Trek. Come on, it's not going to be that long, right? So I mean, at different times, different projects, different jobs yeah. are going to be differently worth to you, yeah. right? To do, and I'm delighted that I can now say I have a Star Trek book on my resume for this. I would not do it again under those same circumstances because now I've got one, right? For yeah. And I'm sure if I did you go back to them box. for it, now yeah. that I've done one for them, they would offer me more money yep. to do the next one because yeah. this one is selling pretty well. So yeah. it's you know. And sort of and sort of talking into that, like I would I would like to get into some numbers because I think that that is sure. sort of sort yeah. of wild west. And the thing that is going to be real weird when we get into this conversation is Darren gets paid differently than I do. Gets paid differently than yeah. Kat does. Sure. Um, like most, I get most of what I get. Well, it depends. I get I get a per word project, a per word rate. Um, on my writing and editing stuff, mm -hmm. and then I get an hourly rate on my consulting stuff. Yeah. So I have to balance mm -hmm. both of those. Yep. And, and then I get paid hourly, and then I also do stuff per project. Um, a lot of my stuff, like if I'm working for a company, company, I give them an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. If I'm working for a person who just ran a Kickstarter, you know, I I ask them what their budget is, and then I do a per project rate. Um, and a lot of that stuff is like that's that's one of those minefields, right? Is like a dude who did a Kickstarter, I'm going to do some work for them, and who knows if I'm getting paid. Like, they may disappear off the face of the earth and not deliver to their backers and do all of this weirdness, and suddenly, like, you know, that that doesn't feel great. Um, but that's part of that risk, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So to talk about that, we I'm happy to set that for it. Over the course of my career as a writer, I have worked for anywhere between three and fifteen cents a word. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's a very broad range, obviously, of you know of the projects for it. Most of my stuff comes in my standard rate for an RPG project for this. For the first time, I'm going to work with them is six or seven cents a word mm-hmm. for this. Star Trek paid four, so that shows kind of like where that was, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we, it's, we would start off paying people um, for the very, very first thing that people we don't know um, who are coming into a new, we would pay three cents a word right, yeah, as like so. an entry level kind of yeah. expectation that we'll have to do a lot of work. Um, right. Our standard is kind of around five cents yeah. a word yeah. uh, for writing. I, I, I try, I mean, once again, I've been doing this for 10 or 15 years. I try not to take less than six or seven unless I am getting a... Yeah some other cool bonus out of doing it, right? Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I usually, like I said, charge $35 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, if someone's going to say, like, hey, I'm going to employ you for four months, right? right. Like, I may work for $30 an hour yeah. or something yeah. like that, right? And put that time in and do that sort of stuff. And part of that is, like, being stable and consistent makes me feel better. Right. So, yeah. you know, my, like... And my also, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think as well there's an aspect when you're, when you're in that gig economy and you're trying to, like, balance work, right. like, you're saving money by... Or you're saving your time by not having to go and find more Absolutely. work during right. those four months. So you Absolutely. can even offset that. My, my contracting gig with Chronicle mm-hmm. is 150 bucks for four hours. Yeah. Minimum four hours. Right. right. If they call me and bug me on the phone for 20 minutes, I get to charge them for four hours. Yeah. So that is one of the ways that, like, I can... Stop them from you know it's it's basically kind yeah. of like schooling them into how to use me right. right. Kind of it's right. like don't yeah. call Darren unless you have at least two or three hours to, of his time <laughs> that you're going to like yeah. tie him up right. Yeah. For this, mm. which makes my life easier on the other end. Right. So yeah. it's because they're not like calling you every ten minutes. Going, right. Oh, it's like, this oh and this other thing. Yeah. Well, that, that's another four hours. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Check that off. Is that kind of thing pretty standard? I mean, I oh well, it, it, it depends. <laughs> it's it's relatively standard. That came from because they're book publishers, and that's a relatively standard billing procedure in traditional book publishing. Yeah. I don't know that it's really kind of like standardized over here yet. I don't know too many other people who do it that way, but that was you know, yeah. part of the deal I carved with them because I'm working with a traditional book publisher that's getting into game publishing. Yeah. And I mean, I like I I always round up to the nearest hour. You know, is 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 definitely a thing, and and that from what I understand is relatively standard. If yeah, you say sure. I charge thirty five dollars an hour and you call me for fifteen minutes, I'm charging you for an hour. That's an hour. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's that's that sort of stuff, and that be, but that's less because I'm. You know, a wily fox like Dan, and more because I'm lazy, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to have to track that. And I, I, yeah, you know, well, calculate all of my time and tally I mean, marks. Do, so. I mean, you can't obviously can't get that if that's going to discourage them from using you at all, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have to already have kind of like established for them right. that oh, getting a week's worth of work out of Darren for this is worth our time. Mm-hmm. For yeah. this, I had to kind of like get to that place with them. So then it became like, okay, and also don't bug me up me tiny little stuff. Save that all up and call me once a week, yeah. you know, for it to, to train them to do it. Yeah. That they would not have accepted that if they thought I was the kind of person that working for them 20 minutes at a time was what they wanted out of me. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of this sounds really weird and arcane because it absolutely is. Um, like, uh, a, a lot of these sort of like billing processes and, and things like that is not something that you're going to find like written down in a book mm-hmm. and it's not something that you're going to find in like traditional business this is all stuff that we've figured out mm-hmm. because like this is the way that we made it work and um, like sometimes it feels really unfair um, and it is you yeah. know uh, because we're working in an industry like you said with a lot of people that love this doing this sort of thing and an infinite number of people who want to do it. Right. Um, you know, and so part of it is like 
carving out your niche and sort of and sort of things like that. And um, so that being said, I sort of want to take a really quick left turn into probably the, the last piece of advice that we have time for. I don't know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot my phone. Yeah, yeah. We got fifteen minutes, yeah. minutes. Yeah. and then take some questions at the end. So like swerving into the last thing is uh, one of the most important things I learned actually right after going full time. Um, is the importance of sort of taking time and learning new skills, mm-hmm. um, which is incredibly important. You have, I, I think you'll find a lot of people who, um, who who are just breaking into the industry and they say like, hey, I want to be a writer or like, hey, I want to be a designer or like, I want to do development or anything like that. And oftentimes those people don't succeed um, because part of what makes part of what makes us valuable in this industry especially is being able to be flexible, right? right? And being able to to sort of learn new skills and do that sort of stuff. And so like um, one of the things that I, one of, one, of, one of the mantras that I've sort of taken on in the past year, um, year and a half is like if somebody asks me to do a thing, I always say yes. And then I sometimes preface that with, but I don't know how to do it yet, <laughs> you know? And I think that's a really important thing, right? Like people will be like, hey, do you want to come on this YouTube video? <laughs> And, you know, like, produce this YouTube thing for us. I'm like, yes, but I don't know how to do that yet. Like, I'm going to go look at some tutorials. Right. Um, you know, and, like, because a lot of a lot of the projects that you'll work on are, like, so weird and individualized mm-hmm. that that's super necessary, right? Sure. Um, you know, like, one of the things that one of the things that someone asked me to do at one point was, like, hey, do you know how to, like, format these weird bases for our minis that we're the only people that use? I was like, no, of course I don't know how to do that. You've hired all the people who know how to do that, but I'll figure it out, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's a really big part of being right. successful, right? Right. And yeah. be, once again, being in the place where people are willing to trust you that you are going to figure it out. Yeah. That's why we asked mm-hmm. you in the first place because right. it seemed like mm-hmm. it was a, yeah. Well, both um, Kat and I have a fair amount of experience managing cons mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. it, which is completely unrelated to anything else that we've done mm-hmm. for this. But con administration. Um, Conventions, good conventions, year after year conventions for it, need people in management for it. Mm-hmm. So if that's a thing that you're interested in and you want to see a way to get to know a lot of people in the industry and kind of figure out the, re- the way the rest of the industry works, if you're a writer mm-hmm. you know, looking to break in, if you're an artist looking to break in, consider talking to your local cons. Get on their management teams for it, and then you'll get to know all of your potential clients in situations where they're looking for help, right? I right. mean, like, game designers, game publishers, mm-hmm. come to cons looking to hire people. Mm-hmm. If it's somebody on the staff, you know, that, like, the staff can vouch for, mm-hmm. who just helped you solve your booth problem while you were at it for it, I'm, you know, going to look on them considerably more favorably when they come to me and say, hey, I also have this cool idea for a project, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, I see that you were a competent person, and you brought me coffee this morning, and you did, you know, whatever else, all of these other things. Right, <laughs> then that's gonna count in your favor of like, oh, I'm going to take what you have to say way more seriously because I see that you know what you're doing, and it can also become a paid gig. I've, I've, you know, like I said, cry, uh, double exposure is I think my number three client in size right. mm-hmm. over the course of the year. Total amount of money I make for them because I work, you know, four conventions with them. I go to Gamma with them. I do all of this other stuff, mm-hmm. and they pay my way to all the big shows. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm part of their crew gets me to Gen Con, gets me to Origin every year. I don't have to pay for any of that for mm-hmm. it because I'm part of the, you know, double exposure team mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like picking up on what, what you've both said, like if, if you want to be a writer, you might think, oh, well, I just need to keep doing my writing. But there are so many other skills you need to be a writer. You need to be able to 
network to make the contacts to get the writing you need to be able to manage your time so that you know that when you sit down you're going to write for eight hours you're not right. going to spend like half an hour writing it um you have to be able to be flexible you have to be able to go oh i need to that project is suddenly on hiatus because cat's not replying to emails i just pick up this thing over here instead and do that and then move back so you have to be able to multitask there is so many different like and convention organization i found really teaches you to just like brian was saying also kind of go okay i don't know how to do that thing yet but i will learn it no. as i'm going yeah. yep, and right. that's a key skill in and you'll see all sides of the industry yeah. because if you're managing cons you'll also deal with retailers you'll deal with distribution you'll understand you know kind of like the entire process of how games get made and sold yeah. and into your hands right, right. And, and that's and that's, that a, that's a really know, big deal that's a really you know, big deal it's a really really big deal yeah working it's kind of understanding all the yeah, all of that prospect yeah because yeah. because i mean I, I started out you know years and years ago and i said you know what i want to be a designer i want to design games i want to do this thing and that's mm -hmm not most of what I do right yeah. you know like most of what I do is I I talk to people about like how to make a game into a product and I do development and I do you know a little bit of art direction and all of that sort of stuff and so right. like a lot of that is stuff that I've picked up trying to get to be a designer and I have been able to be a designer on a couple of projects that I you know were great and I love doing that sort of stuff on um, but I, I used to joke at Hero that if anybody had told me as president how much of being president of the company meant hoisting thirty pound boxes up and down stairs, yeah. Toward, <laughs> yeah. I would have probably turned it it's down. A, it's yeah. a real no, big thing. Really so a, true. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. there's an awful lot that goes into yeah. you know if you're going to get if you God forbid if you're actually going to start your own company and therefore mm -hmm. you're yeah. going to need to understand the entire process soup to nuts, Absolutely. right? It's not, yeah. You know. yeah. So so kind of on that note. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about how you know when you're talking to, to uh, potential clients, you want to solve a problem that they right. have. Yeah. Uh, when you're advertising yourself uh, on social media and things like that, is it a better approach to try and specialize in a particular type of problem that you solve, or do you want to be able to say well, I can solve? What are you good at, first of all? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. And, and what are you going to enjoy doing? Because we'll put you to work doing it, right? Sure. So I mean, like, at least be something that's that's tolerable. But I think it's. When you're, when you're advertising yourself as just available is a different pitch than when you are looking for a specific job or talking to a specific company, right? Mm -hmm. right. When you're advertising yourself, I think you want to be as broad as possible because you want to be open to as many possible things. And then mm -hmm. when you are talking to a specific potential client, whoever that is, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking to, you're pitching a, a project or you want to work for somebody, in that case, you know, have done the research, know what they're looking for, and emphasize, I am particularly good at this problem that I see that you have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so narrow down as you go when you're looking for a specific job, when you're just opening yourself up, show that, hey, I can do a yeah. hundred different things. If I, yeah. You know. and, and one of the things that you talked about earlier that is definitely very important, um, if you are trying to get into doing like the management stuff and, and sort of the more technical production-minded stuff, um, have a resume, have a resume ready that you can hand out to people mm -hmm. because being able to show people that like, hey, I'm prepared to, to present my best self and all of that sort of mm -hmm. stuff is a really big deal. On the flip side of it, if you are on the creative side, the design side, the development side, writing, editing, any of that sort of stuff, 
have a portfolio, have a portfolio. that you yeah. can absolutely hand out to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I think a key like I think you can kind of sum all of that up in um, a, a skill or a talent that I I feel is kind of sadly lacking in the industry, which is professionalism. Yeah, right. Well, right. Like if if you want to make this your full time job, you should be treated <laughs> like you would any other full time job. And I'm not saying like wear a suit and like hair and trainers. That's again that's one of yeah, the benefits Darren was talking about <laughs> is that you know you get to wear whatever you want to to this job, but understand that it is a job. You know you're presenting yourself to prospective employers who are going to be giving you money for your services. Have a CV, have a portfolio, you know, approach people professionally. Don't be like, hey, how's it going? You got any jobs? Right. You know, you wouldn't do that to a person in a bank, you know, like kind of think of it in that but, way. Right. Like even there's, if you're meeting a publisher in the it, right? bar. Like have a still, card, have a good looking yeah, business card business for it. Card. But don't have an overly fancy business mm-hmm. card because if you like make your card glossy on both sides and I can't write down why yeah. you gave me this card, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it away. Yeah, have right? a matte so surface. So have a, have a matte surface on yeah. one side of your cards, yeah. right? I mean, that's so that the, you can be those like, kind of you little met tricks. You in the bar. Like, you thought I might work on this thing. This looks good, but it's also I'm not, you know, being impractical in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That will impress me if somebody hands me a well put together business card. Mm-hmm. Already, you just gained, you know, five magic points or whatever for, right. for doing that. Right? So, <laughs> Darren points. Darren yeah. points. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, do we want to open it up? We've got a few people have questions anyway for it. Oh, yeah, yeah I think so. Are we, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I, I also live kind of in a remote-ish part of the world, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering how how do you handle all the travel costs in addition to everything else that kind of goes? Um, we all have different answers for yeah, this, yeah, by yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have, like, depending on why I'm, I love traveling also is a thing, and I love coming over here. Um, you know, I love being able to kind of leave my little remote uh, village and come to like big cities, it's exciting. Um, so the company will pay for me to travel um, when I'm going on company business, when I can demonstrate that I'm like having meetings with people, when I'm on a booth, when I'm doing that, then we can kind of justify that as like a business expense. So the business will cover it. Um, but like I'm here for both Metatopia and Pax Unplugged and I'm going away off and do my own thing in the middle. So. I will be having to pay for all of that middle part. Um, so the company, TLDR, the company pays for it. And we would, you know, depending on um, how much, if people are working at conventions for us, we can potentially cover some of their travel as well. Um, so there's kind of, there are, if you're in, really interested in going to shows and working at shows, hitting up publishers and asking them if you can run games for them or if you can help them on their booth. Booth staff. Okay. Booth staff. Yeah. We're all, we never have enough people to do that. Yeah. Sure. So we're always double exposure has a particularly odd way of doing that because uh, you know we travel to do conventions mm-hmm. and we have to carry a whole bunch of stuff when we do it, right? So it te- mm-hmm. winds up being for trips up to twelve to fifteen hours. It makes sense for us to drive mm-hmm. because right. we're carrying printers and we're carrying yeah. TVs mm-hmm. and we're carrying equipment and everything that's going to be there. Somebody's got to go in that van, yeah, right, to go with it. And this so, is this is one of the things that we were talking about. Where, right. Where we're. we're Publishers and companies will have unique problems. Right. And so if, if, if you're willing to like staff up that show and put up with being in a van with us for twelve hours for it, that's a great way to get started. You know, like uh, you know, getting to meet people for this. We'll yeah. cover cover your expenses in that. We'll be you know like vanning you out to Ohio from here or whatever for this, um, and you know yeah. stopping it miserable. Yeah. Hey, that hotel was pretty all right. That hotel was pretty all right. Yeah, exactly. Well, because Vinny's got all the Hyatt points in the world. That's obviously, true. Can, can tell for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's individual operations will have different things like that that they need somebody for, and if you're willing to do it, it's a great way to once again get on their radar. 
yeah. show that you're useful. Run a run a booth, you know, help manage a booth professionally. Mm-hmm. Once again, you've gained a million points before you know the next time I talk to you. Of mm-hmm. right. hey, what other cool thing do you want to do? Turn points. Yeah, Turn points. and I think right. pick your battles as well. Like you can't yeah. go to all the cons, yep. right? So look at look at the ones that you can hit up the most, if, you know, if you're interested in getting on the creative side, look at the ones that you can hit up the most publishers who are relevant to what you're doing, right? Yeah, like Gen Con you know, Origins. Gen Con's Origins. Somewhere like here, a lot of them where indie publishers are, you know, depending on who it is you're looking for, look at where all of them are going. Where they go. And yeah. focus on those ones, I think. And again, you know, you can't, you can't overrate the value and importance of social media these days like you can you can have all of these conversations with publishers on their social media as well mm-hmm. if you do it smartly you know if you're you know if you're contributing like useful content and you're kind of saying smart things about their games on their social media they will see that right, right? and they will start to recognize and they, the and they do pay attention and they yeah, do absolutely. pay attention like you know <laughs> it's it's usually me doing our social media stuff so like i'm seeing the names that are coming up you know so yeah. Um, and then f- f- for me, um, I try not to go to shows that I have to pay for anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I think I, and, and it's, re- it's really difficult for me to sort of shift into that mindset um, because like I am always afraid about missing out of contacts and I'm always afraid of like, OK, someone's going here that I could meet that I could get a job from. But like part of and I mean, this is this is a whole other conversation that we could do another hour panel on. Right. But like part of this is don't do this if it's gonna kill you, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a job, treat it like a job. You have hours, you you know have to take time off, you have to be able to sort of manage your time and care about yourself and all of that sort of stuff. And part of that means not going to conventions, you know, every weekend out of the year, yeah. which I've been particularly bad about this year. And like, right. yeah. one of the things that I can tell you is that like, boy does it suck to like only be home Monday through Wednesday every day of the week you know and like all I do is sleep all the time now <laughs> um, you know and and like so part you know part of being professional is sort of managing that right um, that was a much longer answer than I think you needed but <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm curious um, hearing numbers for for Price per word uh, mm-hmm. between five and seven for established mm-hmm. bubbas. Mm-hmm. Also, here in hourly prices around thirty-five bucks an hour. There seems mm-hmm. to be a significant disparity there. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Um, yes, those uh, that that thirty-five or forty dollar an hour consulting gig for it um, is very rarely anything close to full time. So mm-hmm. that gets inflated on like an hourly race, uh, hourly basis because we have to spend so much time looking for those jobs. Right for which we are making no money, whereas when I am writing, I can write pretty much 40 hours through the week and I don't have to look for writing jobs that much. Um, so it, over the course of a year, that tends to net out, not, not quite similarly, but I mean, it's, you know, consulting is still a better gig than writing cash-wise for it, but it's not as far apart as you think it is. Right. Because I can yeah. write anytime, I can write all the time, I write fast, I write professionally. I've learned to write from Steve Long and Matt Forbeck, right? Like it's, <laughs> we, we churn out word count, you know, as, yeah. a, as, as machines here for this. It's very easy for me to sit down and knock down four or 5,000 words, you know, in, uh, in a day. For that and at seven cents a word, that actually comes out not that far off my consulting gig. Right. So, yeah, and um, you know, as as far as the hourly stuff goes, like a lot of times you will end up having like minimum hour counts as another way to sort of make sure that you do stuff. Like I do thirty five dollars an hour, but I usually won't won't take a project unless it's at least ten hours, right? Um, but that being said, like 
that's my rate. That's my rate that's locked in. You know, like I can't go back and say like, you know, t- ten hours later, you know, I'm, it's going to look bad if I say, hey, this actually needs another twenty hours or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like part of that skill is being able to say like, hey, I can see your project. I can evaluate the thing that you're doing, and I think that this is going to take me. 15 hours right. to do, mm-hmm. right? right? And There's and, a whole bunch of work that goes into getting that $35 an hour job mm-hmm. for which I am not compensated at all. That's right. why it's 35 bucks an hour yeah. when right. I do get compensated, so. But yeah, yeah like also, like what Brian was saying about the, the t- understanding the timing of it, like yeah, if, if, if you do kind of say it's gonna take 10 hours and then it takes 50 hours, you're still right. only getting paid $350, this, right? right? So right. actually, you're ending up with a much smaller rate, right? Um, yeah. Whereas with writing, it can take as we've discussed, some people years to write <laughs> a single book, not Darren, other people. Um, and you know, you you get that. You know, you can just do that in your own time. You can fit that in around all your other work, and that's kind of what that's compensating for. Sure. Thank you. Um, do you? Oh, sorry. Yeah, get him first because you already have one. Yep. Come back. Yep. Um, how do you guys like? Can you give us some advice on like what you guys like do for like health insurance or like benefits and stuff like that? When free, like, have a wife with a real job. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, be, yeah, be from Canada. There's another really good piece of advice. Yeah. Move to Canada. Be from Ireland or the UK. Yeah, I'm yeah. entirely on, I'm yeah. entirely on my wife's health program okay. for it. So, most of the people that I work with have a spouse who yeah. is. Who, literally, who is giving them their health insurance? Yeah. Who is incredibly tolerant? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's and and you know that's 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 part of being that's part of being underpaid. Like if yeah. if yeah. you if you work so this is sort of getting into the more sort of management jargon. But if you work generally, you're going to be a contractor. You're not going to have health insurance. Yeah. You're going to get paid a rate. You're going to be paying your own taxes. You're going to be doing all of that sort of stuff. Right. That's all stuff that you have to learn and 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 be okay with. You know, mm-hmm. and and like this is it's it's another reason why. Um, a lot of times when you say like, "Hey, what's your rate?" and I'm like, thirty-five dollars an hour," people are like, "Like that's so high." But part of it is because like twenty percent of that's going to going to taxes, mm-hmm. you know, right. and like that's that's all stuff that I have to take into account, right? Um, and like it 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 especially sucks because like you have to manage all of that stuff yourself, and like I pay taxes quarterly, and you know I have to like deal with health insurance and all of that sort of stuff. Luckily, you know I. My my partner now takes care of my health insurance and and that's phenomenal because exactly. yeah. like that makes the, it so the, much easier. The, num- the number of us in the industry who are kept spouses, yeah, is really for for U.S. based people who don't have, because exactly. of your I just, healthcare system. I just system. sit around and eat bonbons all day and yeah. look pretty. Like, my wife handles <laughs> all of that stuff. That's So so literally, people do handle it either by taking care of my appearance. That's sort of either by having a full time job that is giving them health insurance and doing gaming stuff on the side or having a space that does it. Yeah. I don't I don't think I, I I have no sense of how much health insurance is in this country, but I don't it, think it, most it, game it companies would, yeah. Yeah. I don't think most game company payment would cover it. No, they don't. No. So Alright, so back to him. Uh, well, I was going to ask about um, timelines because mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about that being. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you charge more if you're asked to do something on a short time frame? Like I need this done in a week. And like, what, is that common to get that kind of work, or is it normally? Uh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> like, so uh, this is this is another one of those sort of really weird things. Is because whenever I'm working with people who are in the hobby industry, um, that is people who generally know what they're doing. Right. Um, that doesn't come up a lot. Um, right. It doesn't come up a lot because you have people who are relatively professional and like know those timelines and things like that. But that being said. Um, I've had corporate clients. Like I 
I put out a game for JetBlue last year. Um, and like part of that was like, hey, we want to design, produce, and get this game on shelves in four months. And I was like, that's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And if you want me to do that for you, that means I have to get a design done in two weeks. That means I have to test in two weeks. And it means that that's all I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to charge you $100 an hour for it. <laughs> but it was JetBlue. Right. And JetBlue said... <laughs> Well, sure. we we pay our okay. you know we pay people that's, less than that. That's a rounding error. So yeah, sure. yeah, you know, and and that was great, and that'll right. happen sometimes, right? Um, you know, and part of that is, you know, like I I think a large theme that we've all talked about is like time management is super important, you know, right. and like part of part of doing time management is like if you know that something is going to take all of your time, charge for it like it's going to take all of your time. If that's all you're going to be doing for six weeks, make sure that that pays for your rent and pays for all of your food right. and pays for you know. I, I don't look at it usually as much of like, oh, this is a rush job and therefore I'm going to it's going to cost them more for it, mm -hmm. so much as it's, this is going to be a pain in the ass job. Right. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Rush is a component of whether something is a pain in the ass. Yeah. There's a bunch of things that I will like adjust my, you know, like required amount of money for, for it and the fact that you're not giving me a comfortable amount of time to do it in mm -hmm. is just one of those factors. So it's not a thing that I specifically say, oh, I'm, I'm tuning it to that. But it is a factor that goes into, like, you know, how much do you have to pay me to work for you, right, right. in this situation, under, on this circumstance, in this, in, you know, this job, right? Like, I will work on things that are tremendously fun to write mm -hmm. on a short basis, and mm -hmm. the, the fact that it's short-term doesn't bother me at all because, oh, my God, I'm having a ball doing this, right? Like, whatever, I don't mind doing 12 hours a day because I'm having a great time doing it, so... I, I think it, it's a net of annoying, basically. Of, you know, your, your net annoyance factor is like kind of a thing. Oh, that's a really good like yeah. thing that you can put into your formula. It's like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think for us, like that is something that we wouldn't um, do with a newer contractor. Like generally speaking, we would only uh, we would only have those kind of situations where somebody else had badly let us down, where we had hired somebody to do a job in a reasonable timescale and they had not delivered or they had underdelivered, and then we had to. When you come in at that at that stage, you are coming in to fix or yeah, save. Yeah, you're coming in a as a project. cleaner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. coming in as a cleaner yeah. to like fix it all up, um, and there should be more compensation for that. But often there is not. Often it's people. I I would certainly reach out to people that I know very well and be like, <laughs> it's all on fire. Can you will, fix this? You I know? will make you dessert. If yeah, you it's it, it, yeah, it's right. usually more a favor economy than a. I can right. pay you more money to do this yep. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And cleaner gigs can be pretty lucrative. I've yeah. been called in on a few of them. Of yeah. Like, uh, somebody else screwed this up. Can you fix it in the next week or whatever? A lot it? of people screw so. a lot of things up. <laughs> <laughs> those, so. those gigs are out there. And but not, not us. Never us. <laughs> Never. It is not a bad thing to have a rep for being like somebody that they can call on a, uh, like, yeah. on a basis. Yeah. Who can come say, in at can the. You come yeah. in, can you give us. I need 10,000 words on yeah. this tomorrow because my guy screwed up or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you know, I think this is, this is probably something that we should have talked about earlier, but like. Um, it sort of ties into everything that, we, that we've been talking about. When you present yourself, you're in, and especially if you're trying to do this full-time, you're not just presenting yourself, you're presenting a brand. Yeah. Um, and you are your brand, and your brand is valuable, and your brand is very important. And so that means, like, any time that you're going out and talking to people, like, you are, you are, managing, you are managing that brand, right? Mm -hmm. And that means, like, Gotcha. You know, like that, that that means whenever you go up and you talk to people, like again, present yourself professionally, do all that sort of stuff because you're you know, I'm I'm not Brian Neff when I'm going and doing those things. I am waitress games, you know, and all of that means the same thing, right? Right. 
Um, we have hit noon, so it is time. To yeah, so we have to we have to get out. We have to clear thank you all very, yeah, much. Thank you all very much for coming. If you have other questions or follow up stuff, we are all yeah. up, I believe, come, around come in the show. The Please feel free yeah. to come buy us a drink, and we'll tell you all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> all the terrible things we couldn't say while recording. All the things say on recording, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buy dessert. Yeah. <laughs> buy us coffee. I'm Honestly, you can get so far with coffee or drinks. Thank you.